Welcome everyone to the Runaways Rundown podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a guy whose nickname is Pete. It's Pete. Season two's greetings, Pete. Respect yourself, protect yourself. Can't mess up that fine outfit. The Runaways Rundown podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 201, Gimme Shelter, is brought to you by Litcoin, the official currency of dude bros everywhere, accepted nowhere. <laughs> well, Pete, here we are talking season two, the day it drops, talking episode 201, the day it dropped. Of course, uh, the old brains at Hulu dropping all the episodes today, our focus uh, on episode 201 today. But Pete, let's get to the chase here. When will the, there be more Runaways discussion in the days to come? We are going to be continuing to follow the schedule we do for bingeable all at once series. And this the first time uh, Runaways going to that model. We're going to be bringing you new episodes every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Friday. So, Pete, though, our next Runaways episode will be uh, obviously in a couple days time. Uh, Sunday, December 23rd. Want to let our listeners know that over on the Pop Culture Podcast, we have some holiday treats and goodies. On December 24th, we'll be talking our uh, our episode for Once Upon a Deadpool, which will be concluding its, uh, its uh, holiday run on that date. And then uh, on old Christmas Day, Pete, we'll be rerunning our uh, Christmas Story commentary track uh, all while, of course, uh, continuing to talk Runaways and uh, and get through this monster second season. And that doesn't even mention, Matt, the bounty from the ocean we will throw at the feet of our listeners tomorrow. Indeed, that for Aquaman. So look at the old schedule here. Episode today, tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Pete, you got to love what you do. No excuses, no complaints. We're having fun. Fantastic Geek does not go quietly into that 2019. Let's get to the Runaways recap. As the parents head into a police station to presumably see their children, Frank Dean takes a moment to speak with the gathering press before wife Leslie ushers him along. Dale Yorks points out that's why Frank will never be a member of Pride. Also, hashtag me too, hashtag Time's up. The group bickers, Tina Minoru and Janet Stein, point the finger at Catherine Wilder for calling the cops on their kids. But they've been found. Hate is gonna hate. Dirty Detective Flores has just arrived after his cops comb the desert of Los Angeles in a citywide manhunt where the kids split up to find... A bunch of lookalikes straight out of the scene in Spaceballs. Come on, Flores. Maybe he needs more than men in taking care of his stuff. The Runaways are still running, all right, but after their stuff. A bicycle punk has ganked, chases, fistigons, and the group gives chase even old lace in a shopping cart. They eventually give up on the pursuit for fear of being seen by a surveillance camera. While Chase let military-grade gauntlets slip away, Alex reports they still have their cash. Or not. 
and the shopping cart now has a busted wheel, meaning Molly has to carry old lace. The broke and starving teens hit up an outdoor soup kitchen they soon realize is paid for by pride. This creates a moral quandary, but Chase reasons their parents just write checks and don't care about the causes they bankroll. Gert is taken aback by the need around her, seeing it for the first time up close. As they eat, they talk about the need to stay off the streets, but they need money again after what Alex has had stolen. And only he knows where he got it for their protection. But the groups suspects a mole. Alex still leading though. There's an encampment east of the river from the overpass they stayed at the night before. He heads out on a secret rendezvous that he tells them they need to trust him about. On the TV, Graciela Aguere responds to a reporter's question about Molly's disappearance. She tells her that it's the children of pride. It's not the children of pride, but the parents that should be looked into. And she's seen proof. Molly sent her the video cassette her parents made for her about the potential for a massive earthquake. And now Graciela's in danger. The parents arrive at a once forgotten Pride headquarters, where employees snap to attention as Tina explains that what they've heard is all a big misunderstanding. What their runaway children have gone through has only made them more committed to helping the homeless. Tina's designed a secret antechamber with top wizard facial recognition tech, classic Pride. It's now Pride Central Command to keep it off the radar from everybody, including Jonah. Leslie reaffirms she wants to hurt him as much as possible. Tina wants to hear more about Graciela. The Yorkses point out her feistiness. Jeffrey wants to pay her a visit. The Yorkses don't want violence and point to the improvements they've made to their mind wipe drug first used on Frank Dean. But the Wilders are going along for the ride. Alex meets up with Darius. He's good with hurting Alex's dad. They need more money after the 1500 he gave them was stolen. What about the gun? Little homie says he'll do anything, and this time he's got to earn it, and he ain't going to like it. As the runaways hide from a helicopter, Molly notes Graciela lives 20 miles away. No lift accounts and a rush hour only train route aren't options, though. They spot a restaurant valet stand where Chase and Carolina pose as an arguing couple to make off with a Range Rover. Alex still has the gun Darius gave him, which was really only a loan, and now has Alex's DNA on it in his glove box. But they still friends despite the insurance policy, and he wasn't safe with it anyway. Darius hooks Alex up with a poncho because the first time is never easy. But he'll be a man after this. Alex thinking about the gun, but Darius is thinking about a nice seafoam green. The baby's room needs to be painted in time for his birth in two weeks. Graciela hosts the Yorkses, who want to know what she knows. 
She claims she told Detective Flores what she knows, which is nothing. Dale cuts to the chase, but Graciela draws quicker, shooting the video cassette. Cornered, the Yorkses are rescued by a staff-wielding Tina, who commands Graciela to choke. The runaways arrive at Graciela's, and Molly uses her strength to break in, where they find Graciela dead, but with no sign of a struggle. Chase suggests she couldn't take the stress and had a heart attack. Nico finds the mind wipe serum vial under the couch and reveals their parents staged the death. They hear sirens and have to leave, but not before Nico takes Graciela's wallet. Back at Darius's, girlfriend Tamar didn't agree to a nice seafoam green. Her doctor's appointment that her cute sister Livy drove her to prevented that. Darius ain't going to be in the child's life unless he changes the paint to Robin's egg. Ain't hormones if it ain't ugly. Livy thinks Alex is the new Andre, but his hands don't feel like they've done a lot of manual labor. Tamar chastises Darius and regrets Livy met Alex Wilder, America's most wanted. The rest of the kids go to the encampment where Nico officiates a Wiccan funeral for Graciela, which draws a throng of homeless onlookers. Molly speaks about Graciela's kindness to her as her last blood relative. Gaborum girl Carolina talks with Nico about converting to Wicca and they kiss. Chase comforts Gert about the dead body and she thanks him for helping Molly. Old Lace hates Chase. Molly wants to run toward danger and do something about it so more people don't get hurt. Alex returns with tents, sleeping bags, and burner phones to find out Pride murdered Graciela. Victor lives in 1976 Philadelphia? Jonah's there too, the day before Victor's diner dad deserted his family. It's not heaven, but a healing algorithm with a back door. Jonah needs help because he's going somewhere soon, and he's been waiting longer than Victor can imagine. Jonah shows the cost of exerting himself and what it has wrought and asks Victor to make another box. If he saves Jonah, he saves himself. He'll do it, but he needs his wife's help. Tina wrote Graciela's obituary, but they scanned the tape and watched it. They now know about Molly's parents' dire prediction about earthquakes. The Yorkses explain what's in the hole is sentient and is making a noise that may be construed as a form of communication. Though she's known him her whole life, Leslie realizes what she doesn't know about Jonah. The construction site is run by the church now. The kids broke the drill, but Jonah isn't concerned about fixing it. They decide they have to kill him, but his self-healing DNA will pose a challenge. Janet wants to find the kids. Jeffrey decides to co-chair Pride along with Tina. The next morning at the camp, the thief on the bicycle is blowing things up. Mike on a bike lives up to his nickname. 
Old Lace eventually brings him down. Carolina falls into a hole. Mike gives up the gauntlets. Carolina found an underground dwelling, which Molly lifts a heavy, heavy iron gate to let the kids in. Alex cautions, but Nico thinks it's safe. Sure, there's no power or water. The bathrooms are gross and there are probably raccoons, but it feels like home. In front of the iconic Griffith Observatory, Jonah awaits Carolina, who he knew would come. She's safe. After all, she asked him to meet. She's worried about her friends, but wants to learn about who and what she is. As an earthquake rumbles, Jonah embraces her and reveals it's starting. Pete, let's talk villains. I would have thought that Mike on a bike would be somewhere on the list. I guess not. <laughs> uh, he is pretty dastardly. We can add him. We can we can add Mike on a bike. I mean, the guy seemed relatively harmless. He, what's <laughs> what's a little light theft? And he rides a bicycle, so he's entertaining. <laughs> he is Pete. Uh, probably a bit more dastardly, uh, for sure, is Tina, who seems to remain in the driver's seat when it comes to... I don't know, the bad direction uh, that we see pride in. I mean, a murderess, Matt, you think? Um, It's 2018. You know what? She's a murderer. (laughs) He's a murderer. They is a murderer. Your gender doesn't matter. She killed. It it doesn't. I mean, uh, this character remains one of my favorite on the show, and it has everything to do with the way that uh, Brittany – Ishibashi plays her. Um, and here in an episode where other than this act, she doesn't get a ton of dialogue, but makes all of it matter. I like too, that her kind of shark like, uh, focus on her objective. You see some of the other members of pride showing some concern about that, particularly Dale and Stacy York's. There's just kind of this sense of, they're in for the badness, but should they, you know, should they stick with it? Uh, same thing with Jeffrey Wilder, who now has this uh, co-captaincy, at least on paper, with uh, with Tina. It's kind of like, you know, it's not quite the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but it certainly is. He wants to keep his enemies close and uh, and try and get some sort of control over pride down the line. The morality on the show, which I really appreciate, is almost never black and white. And here, let's evaluate what Tina did. She used the staff and told Graciela to choke herself. So in classic Runaways form, did she commit the murder? Mm? She said a thing and Graciela stopped breathing because that's how the wizard staff and magic work on this show. So there's an argument to be made that she didn't really kill Graciela. Graciela killed herself. Well, that's kind of like saying, uh, you know, uh, people don't, people don't kill with guns. Magic bullets do, you know, I, I certainly pin it on, on, on Tina, albeit through this magical means. Um, well, Pete, let's now talk a whale of another villain, Jonah, looking pretty good, a little, little crispy on the arm there, at least in the, the Philadelphia mind flashback, healing tank, back to tank, holodeck thing. 
but uh, Jonah certainly causing all sorts of trouble and set to cause more this season. Yeah, I mean, when you think that we first saw the character all the way back in that first episode at New York Comic Con 2017, Matt, well before everybody else uh, had a chance to check this out. And now that uh, Julian McMahon is a series regular, the shadow that he casts uh, gets a little bit more to do in this episode than Atina, you know, seen in the in the neural interface with uh, with Victor, who, uh, you know, thank goodness, James Marsters is still in the land of the living and not a vampire. <laughs> That's true, Pete, and uh, certainly one can expect all these villains on the board to play all season to make things worth. Just like we're here all season, Pete, kept aloft by the people who visit patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. This time of year, Matt, as we are recording this to drop on Friday, December 21st, same with all of these season two episodes of uh, Marvel's Runaways, we are the only podcast that does every single show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we could not do it without you. A backlog now, Matt, of 292 episodes. Once Runaways finishes season two here, we will be the only podcast to bring you all 304 Marvel Cinematic Universe episodes to date. And uh, that costs... Uh, pretty penny and uh just having paid that bill certainly every little bit that you contribute to patreon.com slash fantastic geek with the ph uh helps in every way pete i like to think that we are partners in the podcast effort not just you and me but with our listeners particularly those who who help us out on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. So thanks as always to them. Speaking of a partnership, this co-captain alliance of Jeffrey Wilder and Tina Minoru, is it set up for failure after the midpoint of the season or even sooner? I think we can strongly say by episode four, it'll fall apart. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, certainly one must, uh, one must plant story seeds pretty early, particularly with a cast of this size. Uh, Pete, here's another one for you. I know, Pete, you're no criminologist, okay? You have the same background as most of us when it comes to to that kind of stuff. You've seen CSI. Does the gun that Alex handed over, does it really have his DNA on it? I mean, not just his fingerprints, but the boy's DNA? <laughs> well, depending on what he might have done with the gun, anything's possible. Uh, but there's definitely fingerprints on there did he flake skin cells on there or something a little more you know personal only alex knows but uh darius definitely has him in a pickle as far as that weapon is concerned last one for me pete a little more kind of a metaphysical question here sticking with alex sticking with darius is painting a room a metaphor for methodically making your way through life? Is Alex a better man for having slogged through the slings and arrows of paint crew? I Listen, as a former paint crew foreman, as someone who, who's painted hundreds of rooms, 
it makes you a better person. Absolutely. Patience, persistence, calmness, something uh, every teenager needs to learn. Pete, I have to admit, I, I asked that question mostly in jest, but it shows the strength of this material that one can take such a question, give it a serious look, and uh, yeah, maybe Alex is a better leader because he spent time on paint crew. With the baby due in two weeks, Matt, we set a very interesting story clock. We have the earthquake at the end of the episode. Yeah, Darius has uh, quote-unquote DNA, but let's let's assume he means fingerprints on a weapon that's done who knows what by Alex Wilder. Um, is there perhaps in the other direction a little pressure on Darius and Tamar, given that their baby is coming into this world and they have brushed up against Pride and the Runaways? I think that when Darius was introduced in the first season, there was a lot of potential for him to just be a very two-dimensional character, you know, kind of, you know, gang thug kind of guy. And we saw more of that, more, you know, more than that from him in the first season. And I think here, the addition of him being an expectant father, it gives tons of, A, kind of just character stuff in the immediacy here. Uh, we see him being a bit paternal with Alex as they paint the room. But I think also down the line, this is story fruit that you can go pick off the tree if you need somebody in peril or if you need uh, Darius to die, to you know jump in front of the bullet for Alex or something like that. There's kind of extra gravitas all around in this, uh, you know, in this, I don't want to quite say everyday act, but, you know, as beautiful as the miracle of childbirth is, it also is a miracle that, you know, brought us all to this world. So it's something that can bear story fruit later, but right now just feels like the beginning of a, 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 of a, of a new childhood of a new life. Premier episodes of any season are known for dropping a bunch of jacks on the floor that can get picked up at later times. Nico picks up the serum this the uh, mind erase serum, a whole vial of it, Matt, at Graciela's. They're never going to use that, right? Oh, I'm sorry, Pete. I was just taking a sip from this drink that you left me. Um, when are we going to record <laughs> Runaways? I already told you. Every uh, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, we drop new episodes. Oh, that's great. Hey, Pete, when are we going to do Runaways? No, uh, I mean... <laughs> Again, I think that part of what makes this episode so successful is that, yes, it does need to, A, continue things from the first season, although I think we did have a bit of a, you know, and now they run away. So there is kind of a season one, season two divide. But we need to be setting up so much stuff in this season that can be made use of, maybe not necessarily in the second half, certainly some of the motivations, but some of these plots, some of these things, you know, baby on the way, uh, mind erase serum, uh, character geographies, where they are, who's aligned, who's this, who's that. And do I expect that that serum is going to come into play? I mean, of course, it's writing 101. You could have simply removed it if you decided that you weren't going to use it later on, uh, remove it either in the writing or the shooting or the editing. But um, it's going to get used. It's just a matter of when. I'm in no way suggesting that she's responsible for her death, that she deserved to die. 
But Graciela did come at the Yorkses with a hand cannon. I mean, I agree, Pete. The character is so sweet. You don't want to wish her ill, even though she's a, a fictional thing. That said, you know, mess with the bull, you risk getting hit with the horns here. And, you know, pride is pride is bad people. Pride are bad people. Pride equals bad people. And unfortunately, she tangled with them at the wrong time. Livy uh, has met uh, new Andre Alex now. Uh, Tamar laments that. By what episode will Alex and Livy have kissed? Um, let's see, 13 episode season. They're gonna kiss maybe at the I'm gonna be real specific, Pete, and I know nothing beyond this episode. They're gonna kiss at around the three-quarter mark, so around the what the 35-minute mark of episode two oh three or four. I'll say I'll say four. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. How about Tamar with a baby on the way? Is she also in danger knowing about Alex Wilder? <laughs> I mean, maybe danger like, oh no, someone's taken Tamar. I have a hard time believing that this show, nay most shows, but I think just the flavor of this show is not to be like, and thus the new mother was destroyed with the fistigons or something like that. Um, so I don't think she's in real danger, just kind of temporary danger. Where is Jonah intending to go? I don't know. That's the big mystery. And I must confess, when we saw this episode at New York Comic Con, I'd forgotten that Jonah was getting messages from the inside, uh, or at least you know from 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 inside our you know our, our crew of Runaways here. So when there was the reveal that uh, that Carolina has sent him messages and was was feeding him information also that she could find out more about himself it kind of was this gasp worthy moment i feel like he's a character that exists in the periphery of everybody else's lives he certainly is an important part of this story but it's like the kids don't know him too well we get in this episode that even the adults who seem to know him best don't know him too well outside some really defined paths so he's an X factor to all of them, which makes him still an X factor to me. Why does Victor need his wife's help? Pete, I don't want to suggest that Janet Stein is not, uh, you know, a smart lady is not capable in many, many ways, but we see this kind of world-class genius magazine cover status that Victor Stein has. I'm going to assume that the help he needs is not that of an engineering uh, sense, but rather he needs her presence, he needs her company, uh, or at the very least, he wants to keep her safe, and he's trying to impart that notion to Jonah by saying that he needs her for vague reasons, making it seem like the machine can't get built without Janet. I don't know that that is kind of, you, you know, mathematically, engineer, uh, engineeringly, mechanically true. What about this communication that whatever is alive at the bottom of the hole is making? Is it speech? Is it whale song? Uh, will we warp back to 1986 and acquire humpback whales to bring to the 23rd century to prevent humanity's annihilation? 
Uh, it is probably not Wales, Pete, but I will say this. You referenced, uh, you know, what is the thing down there? There is passing reference from Dale York's. Uh, is it an is or is it an are? Which is to say, you know, it could be one voice. It could be multiple voices. I think that we're going to end up very, very tied back to Jonah's past and how that intersects with Carolina and Carolina having this uh, this alien side to her. I think that's kind of where we're headed, where it's big unknown mystery, which, oh, by the way, explains perhaps the most fantastic member of the Runaways and her alien uh, nature. What about the hostel, this uh, dwelling that they've come upon here, a key um, setting in the comics to get into this in season two when the Runaways are officially Runaways and give them a home i mean look they need uh, a base they need an hq just for kind of basic story purposes they need to be both off the grid yet comfortable ish and this checks most of those boxes i will mention as somebody who's been to los angeles as i know you have where they are kind of in relation to uh the griffith observatory up in the hollywood hills by the hollywood sign not necessarily easy to get to if you don't have a car now most people in la have a car because you're always in your car in la but you know these kids who are on the run i know they i guess nominally they have the range rover that they stole i don't know how long that's meant to be a thing you know i'm i guess i'm just pointing out in the reality of it this is not like oh walk five blocks down and there it is it not only is super elevated but not kind of buy other city stuff now might the story completely ignore that and just be like, uh, I don't know, you're down on, uh, you know, La Cienga Boulevard, and then you turn a corner and you're up in the Hollywood Hills. Most people aren't going to know that that's, you know, 30 miles apart. Okay, it could do that as well. Is Carolina the only mole within our runaways? <laughs> My goodness, if there's more than one, it'll be a busy story indeed. I do wonder as they write these episodes, as they break a season, you know, so many characters that you need to give some stuff to. Not all of it necessarily needs to be, you know, Tina versus Jeffrey as who will be pride captain. But I kind of, I suspect that you can't do more than one mole because you're going to have the one story surely at some point this season to say oh, uh carolina how could you you betray betrayed us we the runaways i can't imagine them going for double dipping and finally matt what is starting i took that line as reference to the earthquake and earthquake cycle is starting you know this is not the big one but maybe you get you know a two on the richter scale and then you know, midway through the next episode, it's a four. And then you realize, oh my goodness, they're increasing by factors of two. And the next one is a six. And then you still know it's coming. And there's some sort of countdown to the big one. Pete, as we make our way through the season here, we certainly look forward to hearing from our listeners. Uh, do want to make a programming note here, just because of the busyness of the holiday season, we may be recording a bit ahead of the release schedule. So if you have thoughts about upcoming episodes, feel free to share them, social media, email, Facebook, etc. 
uh just maybe you want to mention the episode title and maybe you want to be in touch pete as i know one listener already has been as we've been recording to just say hey what exactly is your schedule so feel free to sound off in these episodes feel free to get ahead of the speed that we are releasing them because we are recording them a bit ahead so with all of that in mind pete what messages have you heard about runaways well, you're referring, of course, to Runaways super fan Fred from the Netherlands, Matt. And he asks, hey, Pete, how far are you with recording Runaways? What is the next episode that you will record and on which day? So I know how far I have to watch to give feedback that fits the upcoming episode, although I hate binge watching. But a man has got to do what a man has got to do when he wants to be on the fantastic geek show. <laughs> Indeed. And you know, it's, it's always so great to hear from Fred, nay, everyone, but uh, I know Fred takes such special care to share his thoughts. He was sending in recordings last season, adding to the sense of togetherness across the globe, particularly this time of year, Pete, we're all in it together. Just like the runaways, Pete, Fred, which runaway is Fred, Pete? <laughs> Is he is he Chase because he's he's handsome and very con handsome and very continental? That's probably what it is. I've, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so so Fred is certainly thinking about uh, moving ahead in terms of episodes. Try to keep up with uh, with us that he lovingly refers to as you speedy guys. To Twitter, Matt, where I had asked. Uh, my followers here, what do you think of hashtag Marvel, hashtag Runaways Season 2, hashtag Marvel's Runaways, along with a gif of uh, Gert from Season 1 referring to Carolina. She's beautiful and she glows. Great. And Carlito Lee writes in, that's at Television. T-E-L-A-V-I-Z-I-O-N. Better than season one. The kids improved. Last season, I enjoyed the parents way more. This season, the kids stepped up. It is interesting to think how far we've come. I mean, first of all, Pete, this show is now 13 months old. And though you and I have yet to see all of season two, like... The idea that all of these episodes, what, 23 episodes have happened in the last 13 months, uh, it, it's an incredible speed at which to be getting all this. And I think of, you know, I was always enthusiastic to do this show, to watch the show, to podcast it. I don't know that it was necessarily super high on my list before it was a known product. And I kind of was thinking of, you know, my, my evolution throughout the season, you know, last year as we got to know the show. And it's like, it's great to be back with these kids. It's great to be back with these parents. And it's great to know that there is kind of a different slant to things this season. Absolutely. And I think the bingeable nature of this season, as opposed to last season, I mean, we'll get the first three episodes together last time. And you and I had already seen the first. So you were right through those two and you were like, all right, now I got to wait a week. Um, I'm more than a couple deep already into this one, given that we had seen the first episode already. So I am raring to go as far as talking about uh, these episodes this season with you. And I really anticipate doing that with our listeners. Well, Pete, as we make our way through the season, how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-E. 
Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,252 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the P, with the H. Like it today. The thumb costs you nothing. Pete, as referenced at the top of the episode, for those listening on the Runaways Rundown podcast feed, we will be back Sunday to talk episode 202 and Wednesday to talk 203. If you're listening to us in the Pop Culture Podcast, get ready for a whole bunch to be coming down the chimney. Aquaman sometime tomorrow, you know, probably second half of the day tomorrow, uh, then Runaways, Deadpool 2, the the, the Once Upon a Time of Deadpool uh, 13, PG-13 re-release there, Christmas Story, commentary track and more in the days and the weeks to come but now pete the time has come for me to say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word it's starting that's why i didn't notice that police car we're doing 90 in my mom's new portion to make this long story